This episode of Supernatural Creatures and Lore is sponsored by Wicked Chronic. Wicked Chronic is located in Natick, Massachusetts on Route 9, and you can go there to get all of the things you need for your cannabis and wicked needs. Stop on in and speak to the owner, Beverly, and you can have a conversation maybe even about setting up a tarot card reading. Tarot card readings? Very indicative of what we talk about here on Supernatural Creatures and Lore. Wicked Chronic is located at 185 Worcester Street, and you can also find them on Facebook and Twitter, as well as on Instagram. Open Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Contact them at 508-545-8105. In the shadows you can hear the sounds The rumble of a hundred hellhounds Cries of the banshee, terror of the way to go You also can't see if there's nowhere to go It's the creature It's the creature Thank you for tuning in to the Supernatural Creatures and Lore podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I am Kat. Supernatural Creatures and Lore is a podcast dedicated to all the monsters, mythology, creatures, ghosts, and goblins that appear in the TV series Supernatural on the CW. And Kat will have our episode synopsis for us this week. Sam and Dean investigate a small town in Wisconsin where children are falling into comas for no apparent reason and discover that a witch is creeping into the bedrooms of children and stealing their life force. And this is where we cover Strigas. Striga is a creature that I'm not 100% familiar with myself. Um, immortal, invulnerable, super strength and speed, according to the Supernatural Wiki, but there's a lot of like real-life lore, lore about the Strigas, too. The Supernatural Book of Monsters, Spirits, Demons, and Ghouls has a little bit to say about this. Um, yes, read as much as you wish, because <laughs> that, that book is pretty well written by Alex Irvine, who also wrote Jan- Sam, who also wrote John Winchester's journal. So if it's like the page full of stuff or whatever, please feel free to tell us a story, Catherine. All right. Folklore abounds with tales of creatures that were once human, but became otherwise due to some kind of magic or supernatural phenomenon. The Wendigo is one, and then there's the Striga. You can go all the way back to the ancients and find records of something they call a Streex, which they described as a kind of creature that, as punishment for cannibalism, became deformed, again like the Wendigo, and turned into a kind of night flyer perceived by the Romans as, in the words of, Antoninus Liberalis. <laughs> That's quite a name. Good job. <laughs> a harbinger of war and civil strife to men. Hopefully by now you're getting the picture that people eating people is never a good move. By the Middle Ages, the Striga was described as a witch, but everything was described as a witch in the Middle Ages. Other descriptions of it link with the Romanian Strigoi, which is a kind of vampire. 
That's not quite accurate either. Our take on it is that the striga is a revenant of walking undead in a body that should have died a long time ago. It may not technically be dead, but it feeds on the, another word I can't pronounce, spiritus vitae, <laughs> draining the life force of its victims. Damn you, Bloody Mary, you took Heather <laughs> from us. <laughs> That's what keeps it going. Um, Usually it attacks children, working its way through all the siblings of the family before moving on to the next. Now, in the supernatural giant book, A Practical Manhunter, A Practical Manual from Hunters, it says the Striga are witches from Albanian folklore, but their origins stretch all the way back to Rome. They feed on spirits, uh, which you just said, uh, breath of life of human, preferably children, because children are the tastiest thing to chew on. Mm-hmm. Um, the life force of children is stronger as they are young and uncorrupted by the complications of adulthood. According to Laura, they are vulnerable to all weapons devised by God and man, except when they are feeding on life force, which we just went over. Um, this is this cool little like insert thing in this giant supernatural book, the the huge one that I have, uh-huh. the uh, Insight Editions. Um, this came out after season nine. Um, it's always got some great information in it. Nicholas Nicholas, Nicholas Knight wrote it, uh, who also wrote the Supernatural episodes guides. Now that we're up to season thirteen of Supernatural, I do hope that um, they will do an update for it. A um, couple updates about Supernatural I wanted to uh, mention in our own lives. Uh, I guess they've officially announced that season 14 will be the final season of Supernatural. And 14? Yes. Oh, no. Which, anyway, that's what everyone said. I was, my reaction was like, thank God it's finally ending. This show has, this past season sucked. This whole stupid Mary brought back to life storyline was terrible. Um, and the, men, the British Men of Letters storyline was terrible. They could have gotten some, done something so much better than that, but they didn't. Um, and what was the other one? Uh, oh, uh, I th- I don't, I'm not sure if we mentioned in the previous recordings, but um, if you've been following this podcast, uh, we didn't do it in the last episode, but uh, every once in a while we try to. There's always a, a Scooby-Doo connection to Supernatural, and next season on the show, there's going to be a real Supernatural connection as uh, Sam and Dean meet Scooby and Shaggy in the game. Mm-hmm. In an animated episode of Supernatural done in the animation style of Scooby-Doo, which makes perfect sense considering Water Brothers owns Scooby-Doo and Supernatural. So putting those two together is absolutely perfect, which is why everyone cross, co- constantly keeps asking for like a Supernatural Arrow crossover in some way or Legends of Tomorrow, because Water Brothers owns both of them, but that's just going a little bit too far-fetched. Um, if any, they did any type of TV show crossover with any other property, it probably would have been Vampire Diaries, but the Vampires and the Vampire Diaries are much different than what they are on Supernatural, which we will get to in a couple episodes. We do uh, Bad Blood. Um, where does this episode take place, by the way? It takes place in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, the cheese state. Uh, let's see. Any? Do we know what specific town? Uh, oh, here we go. Fitchburg. Yeah. Fitchburg, Wisconsin, um, which is on the map uh, you get in this uh, amazing, awesome supernatural guide right here. Um, so the Striga. Striga, thank you. I think uh, Dean, or no, 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 it was Sam who had like issues pronouncing it in the show too. 
Uh, by day, uh, Striga appears as humans, often old women. At night, the Striga transforms into a flying creature, like a, bl- a bug flyer moth. It doesn't do that in this episode. No. It's describing it like, I think, the, uh, the one of the things that they relate the Striga to is the Mothman. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, yes. Have you ever seen the movie with uh, Richard, uh, uh, Richard, uh, who's in uh, Pretty Woman? That guy. Oh, Richard Gere. Richard Gere, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at your mom to see, because I knew yeah. there was somebody who might have seen Pretty Woman. <laughs> <laughs> They put really good movies or whatever on TV, and they cut out the really good parts sometimes. <laughs> um, so it, it, they're describing it like the Mothman, which is this moth-like creature. If you uh, read the Mothman Diaries, I think it's called, that movie is really, really, really good and really creepy. Um, never get a Blu-ray release yet, only on DVD, but you can find it like on aftermarket. Uh, but Richard Gere is in it, as well as um, the woman who plays Grace from the TV series Will and Grace. She was on it. I don't know that actress's name. Um, but really good, and that's kind of like what they describe here. Uh, they also, uh, not just out from Albania, but also Romanian lore, too. Um, so it seems like many cultures have their own version of this monster. Uh, the movie that I'm talking about focuses in, uh, in like America. Do you, what do you have? On the Striga? On the Striga. Yes, I have... It's a type of Albanian vampiric witch, and it is said that a person is not born evil, but is made evil, just like in the book how it said it was, um, the lore was that you would become a Striga or a Wendigo after cannibalism or some evil act like that. That would be said for anybody who wants cannibalism. Yes, um... One of the things I found different about the show... So in the show, the stri- the only way to get rid of the Striga is while it's feeding. Yes. And what do they use? They shoot it with um, something. Hang on. I watched the episode like five days ago, and I forgot to write down notes for that, for that episode. It, yeah, it's only vul- vulnerable when it's feeding, and then you can only kill it with consecrated cold iron. The thing I found different in the lore is that all the real world lore about it says that um, this sh- you can only get rid of the Striga on Easter using a cross made out of pig bones. <laughs> so that's a bit different. <laughs> so you gotta wait. You have to wait an entire year for this thing to kill people and, and then uh, capture it on Easter of all times. Pretty much. Oh well, I'll just make it a uh, a basket full of like you know Easter eggs while I'm at it and uh, see if it wants to paint them in some Cadbury eggs too. Yep. During the day, a Striga has a normal human form. To become one, you have to follow a manual of a thousand rules. I don't think I want to become a Striga. Out of all the creatures to to, to want to be, I'd rather be still like a vampire. Or even a werewolf would be kind of cool. Um, just because I can say it and like, I'm like a werewolf, so I can like play basketball really well, like Michael J. Fox. Uh, the Striga seems to go off into the woods to regurgitate uh, its findings. And belie- it was believed that soaking a silver coin in the blood and wrapping it in cloth, it would become an amulet offering a permanent protection from any Striga. Oh, I also found, I guess there is some like actual lore that says iron would kill it as well. 
Iron seems to kill a lot of things on this show. Yes. It doesn't seem like the showrunners came up with any couldn't come could, could come up with anything better. Iron, salt, and holy water. Iron, salt, and holy water. That's also the way to vanquish a vampire too. Uh, who's the actor who, by the way, who played the Striga in this episode? Something we forgot to mention in the uh, previous episode that we recorded regarding Mordecai. It was. Forgive me if I say this name wrong, but Jeannie Epper. What else was he in? He was in Kill Bill, Catch Me If You Can, Minority Report, uh, ooh, The Amazing Spider-Man. Who was he in The Amazing Spider-Man? He did stunts. Oh, okay. Um, Looks like he's mainly known for being a stunt double. One thing I don't understand uh, listed, and this comes from uh, the London Phoenix Press, by the way, uh, they said that a Stratega in Catholic lore can be killed by a holy water with a cross in it. Doesn't that... Isn't holy water already holy enough? Why do you need a cross in it? Yes. I, I don't know. In um, Islamic myth, it said that the Stratega... The Stratega... Stratega. can be sent away or killed by reciting verses from the Quran. Specifically... Ayeta Kursa 225 Surah Al-Barqara and spitting water on the, strate- on the Striga. Sure, but I unfortunately would not, I would definitely need to br- brush up on my um, uh, Islamic tongue in order to do that correctly so I don't insult anybody. <laughs> Edith Koran uh, was known for recording several um, traditional methods of uh, dealing with this creature and her name came up a lot in several different uh, texts and uh, other pieces of information, um, such as uh, the 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 Durham collection of garments and embroideries, and uh, Queen of the Mountains, the Balkan Adventures of Edith uh, Edith Durham. Uh, I had never heard of the person before up until this point, and she doesn't have a lot of popular culture uh, references to her, so it's not like she's been brought to life in Hollywood in any way. Um, but her name was Mary Edith Durham, and she was a tra- she was a British traveling artist and writer uh, who became famous for uh, anthropologic accounts of life in Albania in the early 20th century. Um, from 1863 to 1944, she lived, so she had a pretty long life. She was uh, she died at the age of 80 years old. Um, but she took on the responsibilities of uh, caring for her mother, and then after her mother passed away, she decided to become a world-renowned traveler of all of this type of information um, regarding uh, mysticism and cultures and, and lore and, and things like that, Albanian history, really. And then she also worked in uh, relief for countries that were having um, problems with uh, dictators and famine and things like that. Uh, but along the way, she she was the one who uh, basically came up with like the information that we gather from this type of creature. So she can't. Show, so maybe she ran across it in her travels, and she was like the Sam and Dean Winchester of her time. Mm-hmm. She was the um, you know she was like the the uh, what's a female hunter on Supernatural? Uh, she was the Mary Winchester. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but her life sounds completely fascinating, and it would be interesting to see if like. Um, they ever created anything about her. Apparently, the uh, this creature has only appeared twice in popular culture. Um, what is up with your neck? You're like, yeah. Do you, you need your ne- head crack? Just like twist it. Once on Supernatural, and then on the TV series Lost Girl. Have you ever seen that? No. Lost Girl is. If I'm remembering this correctly, she is like a succubus, and like through like kissing somebody, she can like help 
she like stays alive by like draining their life force and stuff so she like does this to like men and women and this is like a popular TV series for like five or six seasons that you can watch on Netflix now mm-hmm. um, I did not have a chance to get into it but I heard it's it, again insanely popular what else do you have about uh, this creature that was about it <laughs> so apparently there's also a uh, you can play the pronoun game with this uh, creature These th- there's the uh Stratigu and the Stratiga, or the Stratigu, or it can also be the Stratigan. So I'm assuming the Stratiga is the male and the Stratigu is the woman. Maybe. In the episode, the thing is, uh, isn't it a male? Yes. Okay. Um, even though that all of the different lore and stuff says that it's an old woman. Yeah. Um, I wonder why there was a change in that. Although. Um, all the lore I've read about this says it can be both male or female, so it's not like it's not like a um, the woman in white where that's obviously always a woman. The um, it does appear um, if I remember correctly, they are uh, there's like a flashback to them as kids, right? Uh, yes. Yes. So and there's a it appears in the uh, um, the novel One Year Gone as well. Um, this was a tie-in novel um, that was uh, this was the novel um, and, and I have never read any of the supernatural novels. Have you? No. Okay. None of them ever interest me except for one. There is a book that explains what Dean did after he got to Lisa's place, like the day after. Like Dean, like, realizing he's given it up, you know, but there's still, like, something out there. There's always going to be something out there. And him and Lisa go, like, on a camping trip, and he keeps, like, escaping from, like, the camp. Like, at night, he goes out and hunts this thing to help people. And Lisa finds out, and, like, you know, you don't have to do that. He's like, i got to do this one more thing. It's kind of a cool story. But One Year Gone is what Sam did. And he, him, and, um... Uh, Samuel Campbell find a uh, Stratega, and they f- they hunt it down. And this mm-hmm. is also how this novel explains how Sam Soulless Sam met up with the Campbell family, because they're just kind of introduced in the show, and Samuel has like an explanation about how they, you know. But this is the novel actually explains like how Samuel um, got out of hell and stuff like that. So there's a little piece of that whole Crowley thing in there too. Yeah. So um, if you're interested in kind of like filling in the gaps of the show that, that does, we don't get to see, some of these novels are basically for that. Um, there's also the uh, there's also a novel that um, I know there's a novel that explains what Sam did the day after Dean died the first time mm-hmm. uh, due to the Hellhound. It shows the novel explains Sam burying Dean and then dealing with life without Dean for that time period before um, Castiel Rose Dean. So th- I think that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Missing gaps that we don't normally get. Yeah. Um, I don't like uh, tie-in novels that are just kind of like, oh, it happened in the middle of the season. You know, like they'll reference some episodes that you know it took place during season six or seven or whatever. But maybe some of those missing time episodes, maybe that's a novel I'd pick up. What's really cool about the one-year gap is they use they use the Necronomicon um, to help banish the uh, Stratega in this episode. Striga. Striga. They <laughs> use the Necronomicon to banish the Striga. Now, I wonder if this episode, this sorry, this uh, book was written in like 2010, so I'm assuming if it was written before the season six finale where they did, they encountered the, um, the nec- they talk about the Necronomicon in H.P. Lovecraft. 
because they obviously don't make any mention of like Sam doesn't mention like oh you know I did this thing you know back when I was soulless with the Necronomicon now the whole Necronomicon could be like an episode unto itself but they they haven't done it yet which kind of sucks because it's like I don't know if the writers have just not thought about it or what it is but I would love to be the fly on the wall in the writer's room of Supernatural to be like what are you guys using for reference material because there's so much you haven't covered yet and so many things you could do an episode about but you just you're not doing it you're focusing on the the religion and heaven and hell or redoing vampires and werewolves over and over again you know do something different there's so much lore out there I'd love to see them fight like a, a water monster you know what I mean yeah. And just dump the budget into like creating some type of cool water monster. If the Flash can have King Shark on there, then you guys can have like some type of like sea creature. Yeah. So because they did King Shark and they've done uh what was it K- K- uh Gor- Gorilla Grodd on the Flash and both were CGI creatures done for the show, which probably cost a lot of money and they're not in the episode that much, but they're so well done that you're like shocked that they got away with it. But the Flash might have a bigger budget because it's a you know popular DC comic character than Supernatural my biggest gripe with the show mm-hmm. um, no more werewolves because werewolves are terrible yes um, do you have anything else for the episode not really okay so basically Strigas are a hybrid between witches and vampires yes Matthew Hammer on the uh, Mythology Legends website actually says that um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a church. You could also do it, because he himself is Jewish, you could actually do it at temple with this type of creature. And, of course, the uh, Jewish religion does not celebrate Easter, so they'd have their own means to vanquishing it. Um, let's see. He says, I figure there's some wiggle room here in your explanation. It can be assumed that any holy grounds that um, threshold site would do a mosque, a temple, etc. And it's attempt to leave the holy ground for the express purpose of being able to kill it kill it all this was done i would have to say it was evil with only rudimentary theog- theological practices as a uh paragram using any religion should someone burst into flames when entering temple or it can be caught on holy ground but mainly because cannibalistic in whatever way therefore a direct threat to the human race again only holy grounds can kill it catch it or they avoid any holy grounds altogether so basically he's saying that it doesn't necessarily have to be like a Catholic church. It could be any type of like mm-hmm. religious holy ground. Now, what if you bring it to temple and you're not Jewish? Can yeah. you still kill it? Let me know if you try that, cat, and then get back to me. Okay, I will. Okay. <laughs> your adventures in college or whatever, you're, you're hunting down demons and stuff. Next time I catch Heather trying to suck the life force out of children. Oh, wow. I will attempt that. Is that where she went? Is that what happened to her after... uh, Yeah, I think so. All right. (laughs) Well, that's pretty much it for this episode of Supernatural Creatures and Lore, Something Wicked. Um, Apparently, Something Wicked also comes from... uh, I kind of glanced over this because when I hear Something Wicked, I always think of... Did you ever study Shakespeare when you were in high school? A little bit. Okay, so you're familiar with Macbeth? Yes. And (laughs) the title... Actually, um, when I did drama, we had like all this um, superstitions about it because like, it's just like a running joke for anyone who's ever been in drama club that if you say the name of Macbeth while you're in a drama production, everything will go wrong. Any <laughs> drama production? 
Yes. Even like if you were doing like The Wizard of Oz or Annie. Oh, yes. Oh, my. <laughs> I have to remember to uh, tell that to my son. He was in uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory um, in the fourth grade this past year, and he wants to do another play, he said, in the fifth grade. So I'll have to tell him never say Macbeth, or say Macbeth and see what happens. Yeah, we had people say Macbeth. So this li- the title of the episode alludes to a line from Shakespeare's Macbeth. The full line is, By the pricking of my thumb, something wicked this way comes. The line is said to be, a witch, uh, the line is said by a witch in the play, and uh, the name of the creature is Albanian for witch. Also, Something Wicked This Way Comes is the name of a story by Ray Bradbury. Um, it's probably also um, one of only two Disney movies that have to do with the hor- with horror. And it was like constantly aired on TV like in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um, and it's, it's a movie uh, a lot of people wish would get like you know, like an updated version of, because the version that we have is kind of dated, and it's still not released on DVD either. So mm-hmm. it's like one of those horror movies that Disney's kind of just like sitting on going, eh, we're not, we're, I don't know what we're going to do with it. Yeah. Um, the other one Disney did was A Watcher in the Woods, which is about a family that moves into a house, and the y- oldest girl keeps seeing a blonde girl with a blindfold on in the mirror, like reaching out to her. Mm-hmm. And it like terrified me as a kid. But the story by Ray Bradbury is very good. Uh, so whenever I hear that, that's that's what I always think about, is the late, great author Ray Bradbury. Well, that's all the time we have here on Supernatural Creatures and Lore. Don't forget you can join us on our Facebook group, Supernatural Creatures and Lore. Please leave a comment, pictures, or anything pertaining to the TV series Supernatural, or anything to do with like mythology, cryptozoology, history, or religion. Um, you can also find us on our Twitter at Supernatural Creature Lore. Yes, and our individual uh, YouTube pages as well, where we post videos, reviews, interviews, and other uh, craziness that we get up to. Mine is Radio of Horror, and Cats is... Cat Loves Cats. Cool. And we'd like to thank Jess Atlanta for providing us with our theme music, the Supernatural Creatures from the Black Lagoon. And don't forget, you can also support us on Patreon, or if you're a local business... Or if you're a website that likes to get some exposure because you're selling something kind of cool, you can always contest at, contact us at that Chris D. I always screw this up. You can contact us on Gmail at thatradiohorror.com. Make sure you put Supernatural Creatures and Lore in the subject line so I know where it's going to, as that also covers the Dr. Chris Radio Horror Show and the Dead TV Podcast, too. So I want to make sure that I'm opening it up for the correct show. Uh, thank you, Kat, for joining me on this episode of Supernatural Creatures and Lore. Goodbye. Goodbye. In the shadows you can hear the sounds The rumble of a hundred hounds Cries of the banshee, terror of the windigo You also can't see if they just know where to go It's the creature Whoa. It's the creature Whoa.